the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He greets this elect lady and her children, this family. He greets them with grace, mercy, and peace. And he tells us that grace, mercy, and peace come from God the Father through Jesus Christ. It does. And that brings us now to the end here of verse 3. If you look at the end of verse 3, he says, In truth and in love. And he mentions them together. Everyone's trying to experience peace, joy, and mercy in their lives. Our society is riddled with people that are struggling with worry and anxiety because they don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. Today, as Pastor Dan begins his new teaching series through the book of 2 John, he'll be explaining how in order for you to have real peace with God, you first need to experience God's mercy and grace in Jesus. Only those indwelt by God can experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 2 John, chapter 1, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Second John has a very simple outline to it, and I want to give you that outline up front. In verses 1 to 3, you have John's opening greeting. In verse 4, you have John's joy. Verses 5 and 6, John's plea. Verses 7 to 11, John's concern. And then finally, verses 12 and 13, John's farewell. And so we'll begin with John's greeting in verses 1 to to three, And John opens this letter uh, in a very typical fashion for a letter in the ancient world. Uh, letters in the ancient world had three components in their opening, in their greeting. Uh, first of all, the opening would have uh, who the letter was from. Secondly, who the letter was written to. And then third, it would have some kind of greeting or salutation. You know, today in our letters or in an email, we sign our name at the bottom of the letter. But in the ancient world, they wrote on scrolls, and you had to open a scroll or unroll a scroll. So in the ancient world, they would state their name up front at the beginning of the letter. So it would be easier to see who the letter was from. So you'd have to unroll the whole scroll to see who wrote you this letter. And so the author of the letter would identify himself at the beginning of the letter, which John does here in verse 1. He identifies himself simply as the elder, the elder. And John at this time, as he writes this this letter, John is over 90 years old. He was the last of the original 12 apostles. Judas, you remember, hung himself 
The other ten apostles were executed for preaching the gospel, for preaching about Jesus Christ. They were martyred. And John was the last one. He was the only apostle to live into old age. And he identifies himself as, as the elder. And he's, he's an elder in the sense of being old. And he's an elder in the sense of being a leader over the church. And he writes this letter to the elect lady and her children. And we aren't sure who, that, who the letter is addressed to. We aren't sure who the elect lady is. Scholars have different opinions on, on who this elect lady and her children may be. Uh, really, there are about three views commonly held uh, about the identity of this elect lady. Uh, some believe the elect lady is a pseudonym for the church and that John's actually writing to the church or to a, a local church somewhere, a congregation, and he uses a, a pseudonym here. And the reason he does that, some scholars speculate, is because this was a time of, of great persecution of Christians, both from the Roman government and from uh, the Jewish religious leaders. And so it could be that he's writing to a local church but he doesn't want to identify that church by name. He doesn't want to write like Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City on it, on Rumsey Road, because then everybody will know that there's a church meeting there and who they are. And so it could be that he uses this pseudonym here so that he won't endanger uh, that church by using their real name and their real location, you know, just in case the letter was intercepted by a Roman official or something like that. But we can't say for sure that that's what this means. Others believe that this letter was written to a believer that John knew personally named Kyra. Named Kyra. And you might think, well, how do you get Kyra out of this? I don't see that there. Well, the Greek word for lady is the word Kyra. Uh, and so some believe that, that uh, Kyra is a, is a proper name here. So it's written to the elect Kyra. So that's a possibility. Uh, others feel that John is writing to an unnamed Christian lady who, along with all believers, is elect of God. And so he calls her the elect lady. Uh, I tend to prefer that last one, that he's, he's writing to some believer, some woman that's not identified by name here, just an elect uh, lady, some unnamed woman, and her children. You know, that, that's the most uh, plain interpretation. That's the most literal interpretation. I like to take the Bible literally. So I see this as a letter written to a, a believer, a woman, an elect lady, and her children. And so he says here, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. And now in verse 3, we find John's salutation or his greeting, very typical of the ancient world. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. He greets this elect lady and her children, this family. He greets them with grace, mercy, and peace. And he tells us that grace, mercy, and peace come from God the Father through Jesus Christ. 
It does. And that brings us now to the end here of verse 3. If you look at the end of verse 3, he says, in truth and in love. And he mentions them together. Truth and love are two big themes in John's writings. Not only in the letters, but also in the Gospel of John. In this short letter here, John mentions truth five times. He mentions love four times. And he mentions them here both together, truth and love. And and it's important, I think, for us. He's writing to believers. He's writing to a family. I think it's important for us as individual believers and for us uh, in our families and for us as a church family. It's important for us to have both truth and love, for both to be present. If you have love without truth, well, love without truth, that leads to compromise. That leads to uh, permissiveness. Uh, That leads to um, allowing sin. That leads to allowing immorality. Uh, that, that leads to a shallow form of Christianity that has no real meaning, no real life-changing power to it if you have just love without truth. And on the other hand, if you have truth without love, well, truth without love makes a person harsh. Truth without love makes a person uh, cold. Truth without love uh, makes a person condemning of others and judgmental of others. It makes a person uh, legalistic in their faith. They look down upon other people. Listen to this verse. It's a verse um, you're familiar with. Um, If for no other reason, because they they read it at almost every wedding you go to. Uh, But 1 Corinthians 13, the love love passage, right? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says... Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. There, Paul tells us, if, if, I, if I speak with the, with the tongue of men or angels, if I, if I say all of these wonderfully glorious things, but if I do it, without love, it just, it sounds like clanging cymbals, you know, just clanging together. It, it, it's, it's just noise without love. Even if what I say is right, even if what I say is biblical and it's right on and it's, and it's doctrinally sound and it's theologically sound, if I say it without love, it's, it's just noise. It's just clanging brass, and it's irritating. And it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's impossible to listen to. And, and so if you have truth without love, well, that's no good. Now, the Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. 
You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. What you see in John's letter here and what you see throughout John's writings is is both truth and love, and you need truth and love together, and there needs to be that balance of truth and love in in a family, in a church. You you have to have both. And, And of course, the best example of that balance of truth and love is Jesus, right? Jesus was the perfect balance of truth and love. In fact, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, it, we're told that Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was full of both grace and truth. It, it wasn't that he was a little of both. It wasn't that he was a little gracious and a little truthful, like being a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. No, he was full of grace. But at the same time, he was full of truth. Or we could say he was full of love and he was full of truth. He didn't compromise one for the other. He was full of both simultaneously. Full of grace, full of truth. And that doesn't mean that Jesus was gracious at times and truthful at other times, just depending on what his mood was on that particular day. No, he's full of both all the time. And I'll show you an example of this in the Gospel of John. If you want to turn there with me, John chapter 3, where you can see both the love and the truth coming from Jesus in one one conversation. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16, of course, the best known verse in all of the New Testament. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Do you see the, the, the love and the truth? Both, both are here in this passage. In verse 16, you have the love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's the love. But then look at Verse 18, Jesus gives us the truth in verse 18. In verse 18, he says, He who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. He goes on to say, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's the truth. So he gives us love, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And right on the heels of that, he gives us truth. 
But those who don't receive the Son, you're condemned already. You're already condemned. That's why He's offering us eternal life. And He tells us here the truth. He tells us the the reason that people don't accept Jesus Christ, the reason they, they reject Him and don't put their faith in Him, is because He says plainly and truthfully, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's why people reject Jesus Christ. They love the darkness. That's the truth. He just, here's the truth. Here's love. Sent my son into the world. But here's the truth. You're condemned. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. People don't receive me because their deeds are evil, he says. They love darkness rather than life. He's full of grace and truth. He, he has this, this balance uh, in, in, in both of them where he can present both in the same conversation. And he does it in such a way that it's palatable. And John emphasizes both here, love and truth. Both are necessary. Now go back to Second John. He talks about love and truth. And when we talk about truth, what are we talking about? Well, I want to, I want to just share a couple other verses with you. Turn back to John's gospel. Now that you've turned back to First John, Second John, turn back to the gospel of John. Just so, you know, I do this just so we're clear. Everybody's kind of on the same page, so to speak, of what we mean by truth. When the Bible talks about truth, because there's a lot of different ideas and thoughts about truth. So what are we saying? John chapter 14, verse 6. I love to hear those pages turning. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus speaking, and he says, I am the way, the truth. There it is and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and here in the Greek, it's emphatic, meaning Jesus is saying, I alone am the way, I alone am the truth, and I alone am the life. There are not many ways. There's not many ways to God. There's not many paths that lead to heaven. Jesus said, I alone am the way. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me, and he alone is the truth. There's not, there's not many truths. You know, all, and I, I want you to hear this. All, all religions don't have uh, the truth. They can't. You know, Jesus says, I alone am the truth. So that all, all religions aren't equally true. You see those bumper stickers coexist and it's made up of the different symbols. Well, they all claim to have an exclusivity on the truth. All of them are saying, we're right. This is right. This is the true way. And all the other ones are not the true way. And, and we, we, we make the same claim. Jesus makes the same claim. He says, I am the truth. The difference between uh, Jesus and all the other religions is that Jesus was dead and buried, and now he's alive again. And so he has a little bit more uh, validation because of the resurrection than anybody else who claims to have the truth. He's been dead and made alive. And that gives him, uh, in my book at least, (laughs) that tells me he knows what he's talking about when it comes to life and death. And he says, I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. And so when we talk about truth, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Now turn over to chapter 17, the Gospel of John. Chapter 17. And this is um, just before Jesus' arrest in Gethsemane. He's praying here. 
He's praying to the Father. This is sometimes referred to as the Holy of Holies of the Gospels. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus before his arrest and crucifixion. And he prays to the Father on behalf of the disciples. And in chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus says to the Father, sanctify them, the disciples, by your truth. And then he says, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So the word is truth. The word of God, the Bible. It's God's truth. And it says here that we're sanctified by the word. We're set apart by the word of God. We're made holy by the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. How can you clean up your life? By obeying what the Bible says. By taking heed according to your word. It it, it cleans up your life. It sanctifies you. It makes you holy by simply reading it, believing it, and obeying it. And it'll clean up your life. I know it's been true for me. I know it's been true for a lot of you here. Just the word of God has sanctified you. So going back to Second John now, when we talk about truth, and when John talks about truth, well, we're talking about Jesus, and we're talking about the word of God. So now look at verse 4 of Second John. Verse 4, we have the reason for John's joy. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. John rejoices greatly because somehow he has learned, doesn't tell us how, but somehow he has learned that this woman that he's writing to, that some of her children are walking in the truth. Some of her children are following Jesus. Some of her children are, are living according to the word of God and obeying the word of God. Look over in Third uh, John, verse 4. There he says, I have no greater joy, no greater joy, than to hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, for those of us here that are parents, our greatest joy is to see our children walking in the truth of God, following Jesus, obeying his word, walking in his ways. For us as parents, as Christian parents, I mean, isn't that what you want for your kids? He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study scripture on Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of 2 John a letter penned by the Apostle John, encouraging believers to love one another and their Savior through obedience to God. We hope you've been inspired and blessed through this message. You can be an encouragement to others around you, even in this dark world. Be the light of Christ as you go through your day, shining His perfect love to those who need hope. You could be the example that changes their life. Are you part of a church? If not, We want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. 
You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number, 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series or explore more of Pastor Dan's messages from Scripture, you'll be able to find them at calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize